The Athlete Handbook is here to provide you with insight and education as you navigate the sporting space. We hope you enjoy listening and adding another page to your book. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Athlete Handbook. Today we're jumping in with Jason Slater from Federation University uh, on the topic of athlete support, I guess in the career sense, study sense, life after school. There's probably a few different topics and names we can put to this, so we maybe we'll pick after the fact. Um, but welcome, Jason. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, I guess that sort of dual career is a word that's thrown around a, a lot in this space. Um, so balancing yeah, both the sporting ambitions and then uh, something else, whether that's study, work, making sure that you have a good balance to your, to your lifestyle. Yeah, I think it's it's something we as Westwick jumped onto the back of the Victorian Institute of Sport and their motto, success in sport and life. So that, you know, obviously we're all achieving and aiming for our best sports performances on the field or on the course, whatever that looks like as an athlete. But sport, unfortunately, doesn't last forever. So it's success in sport and life and whatever that looks like for you, I guess, as an athlete as you said, work, career, doesn't necessarily have to be study, but today we're here to chat study. Yeah, sounds good. So, Jace, could you jump in for a second, I guess, tell us what your role looks like with FedUni at the moment? Yeah, so my role, it's a pretty broad one, um, being a smaller sort of regional university, not as many staff spread across the sort of workload in that student experience space as some of the bigger ones. But I look after um, all of our sport and student groups. So my title is the Sport and Clubs Coordinator, um, and I manage those programs across all of our campuses, um, particularly our major campuses in Ballarat, Gippsland and Berwick. From the sporting perspective, it's everything from just basic exercise, trying to get people to be healthy and yeah, pursuing some fitness goals through to social sport on campus, um, making sure that everyone's having that social element and, and enjoying themselves. And then um, our representative teams, uh, whether that's just in the local community leagues and competitions or all the way through to the Unisport Australia leagues and uh, big major events that they run. So then on top of that, as, as we sort of talked about briefly, I'm also the designated elite athlete contact here and manage the, the elite athlete program for FED. You mentioned uh, you know, the VIS and we're connected with, with the VIS and the AIS as part of the elite athlete friendly university network. Um, so making sure that yeah we're abiding by some of the uh, guidelines that are laid out through the AIS to, to ensure that athletes are, are being supported. We probably take it a, a step further than what, what they recommend, um, but we can get into that a little bit later. The second part of my role yeah, is uh, our student groups, so clubs uh, across academic societies, cultural groups, um, sporting, uh, obviously, and then social clubs as well. So trying to make sure that yeah, the students experience at university, they, they get that whole sort of lifestyle, which obviously over the sort of past few years with the pandemic really took a hit, but we're trying to make sure that, that comes back and 
Um, one of the uh, sort of big catch lines for the university at the moment at Fed is there's more to uni than just uni. So making sure that, yeah, we promote that whole sort of lifestyle that you can get into as a student and really develop as a person while you're studying. Yeah, cool. I think that really fits with what we're aiming to do with Westwick in the sense of supporting our athletes, I guess, to have a much more of a holistic approach to, yeah, I guess how they go about things. We usually find a majority of our demographic is in that junior athlete space. So they're really figuring it out at that point of time on what life looks like for them after the fact. And I think it's really cool you mentioned the different elements and ways once you get to uni that you can still participate in sport in different settings. So you can recreationally go and try a a few different sports. I know we'll jump into nationals and uni games as another avenue as well to, you know, take that step forward. But it's really good that our athletes who are already competing at a high level within their sport don't have to sacrifice going on to study uh, straight after school if they're still competing at a high level that they can actually continue to do that but be supported by the university to manage the study and training loads and competition loads at the same time yeah absolutely and that's you know the, the key to the program is that making sure that there is that support particularly academically that there's this flexibility built in that you know obviously in most athletes' minds, the, the sport is number one priority mm. and trying to make sure that while we uh, encourage that balance, that we recognise that sport, you know, it's a, a shorter time span that you are you have the ability to, to go for that. Um, so, yeah, building in the flexibility that academic pursuits can take a, a bit of a secondary role but still be achievable. So, yeah, yeah. want to make sure that they're not just sort of completely postponing it and then getting to life after sport and um, starting from scratch at that point something and and a lot of the sports are fantastic at it these days in really encouraging athletes to do something outside of sport whether that's work or or study so that they're not just thinking about sport all the time and and it's particularly helpful for situations like when there was a pandemic and and sport wasn't happening across a lot of um, different leagues and, and sports and then also when people are injured that sort of thing. Um, it, it just gives them something to yeah, take take that distraction, I guess, of focusing on your studies and trying to do well versus just completely being zoned in on, on rehab and sometimes you know, get a little bit into a, a downward spiral because it, it seems pretty daunting sometimes coming back if there's a serious injury, something like that. So it, it's a nice little break and, and make sure the mind's fresh and, and thinking about other things. Yeah, I've actually heard quite a few coaches, like high performance coaches, mention the importance when they were coaching athletes that some pretty well wouldn't coach the athlete or the team unless the athletes had something else that they were working on as well as their training and competing because they just wanted them to be, I guess, well-rounded was the main approach, but they wanted them to have another passion because obviously sport is so high and so low sometimes. They needed another consistent element in their sport, uh, in their life, sorry, that they could uh, almost escape to when they needed to and then come back with a fresher mind. And then I've heard on the flip side, a lot of athletes 
do the same and enjoy. Sometimes I think it starts out as a passion. You know, you see a lot of athletes nowadays starting podcasts and things like that or building a brand on social media and whatnot. But whether it's study work or a passion project, I think it's a really, the dual careers element is a really important part. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, part of the the other things that we provide with, you know, obviously clubs from a, a social element and um, having friendship circles as, as well as then all of our other sporting programs, you know, a, a lot of the time can provide just that extra element that can take their mind off, you know, the high level performance aspect and just get back to enjoying it for, mm. for sport's sake, you know, making sure that they're having fun coming away and representing the university and nationals, for instance, while for from a university perspective, it's sort of the, the highest level, um, unless you're going through and representing Australia at the um, you know, World Uni Games or something like that, where you're competing um, more for Australia than, than for the university. But if you're competing at nationals in a sport where you're also an elite athlete, it can just be that little bit less mentally demanding it's a bit more fun focused um, while we're trying to compete to the best of our ability and, and obviously anyone that's at that level as soon as they start to compete they want to win there's there's never any sort of turning off that competitive drive and element at least uh, you know it gives them the opportunity sometimes to get out there with their classmates from uni have a bit of fun and you know they're not in the spotlight of competing to keep their spot in the team or go to the next level of, of whatever the um, competition that they're sort of working through. So it can just be, um, yeah, an opportunity to get back to basics and just play the sport for enjoyment's sake, which is nice. Yeah, I think the key word in that is fun. I think yep. a lot of our athletes from time to time forget that you, the whole reason you should be doing it is because you enjoy it and that you have fun. But of course you can get caught up in the pathway. We're all you know, have known to have done that at some point in time. So if I was coming in, even as an athlete or just as, um, well, pretty well anyone coming into Fed Uni to study, say, what are we now, July, so mid-year, for example, what, like, programs and sports have we got running at more of a recreational level at the moment that you can jump into? Yep, so some of some of our sort of key sports that we offer across pretty much the whole range of levels that I mentioned earlier. We have basketball, netball, Aussie rules footy, and then starting to sort of have a bit of an emergence in badminton, volleyball, both indoor and beach, tennis, cricket, and cycling. Okay. So they're sort of the predominant ones. Um, we've got a fair bit of interest in futsal or soccer at the moment as well, uh, a lot from our international cohort. So looking at opportunities to, to get a bit more of that going on campus uh, as well. So always looking at what the sort of demand is from the students because, if yeah, if there's more demand for a particular sport that we're not offering at the time, that's the, the beauty of the way we run our programs is that we can um, – just sort of scrap one thing that's not getting high numbers and start something else or find an extra time to, to add another component in. So, And, yeah, most of those um, sports have opportunities all the way from that social rock-up sport style um, all the way through to representing the university and, um, and obviously we can support elite athletes in them as well. Basketball is probably a best example of a real wide range at the moment where we've just had a, a social rock-up session. We have teams playing in local competitions in Ballarat and Berwick. We've competed in the University Basketball League for the last two years. Um, so that's a big step that Unisport Australia have just 
taken sort of over the last few years, um, starting with Rugby Sevens uh, Women's Tournament that they uh, started running, I think, around about 2017 in partnership with Rugby Australia and, and trying to really promote the, the Women's Sevens game. Basketball was the second launching into that league space and has been really well received. Uh, we're up to 12 teams in the in the league across Australia. Yeah, we, our students get to compete on campus uh, at each home and away venue. So we've travelled over the last two years to Perth to play University of Western Australia and Curtin University, Sydney in, in Sydney University. We've played lots of other Melbourne-based teams like Melbourne University and VU in, in Footscray. So there's heaps of opportunity for travel that's built in, it's supported. We try and make sure, again, that there's that balance and that students aren't missing too many classes that are going to affect their their studies. Obviously, that there is you know some clashes, but we try and make sure that there's a big enough squad that they've they've got a good balance, and that if there's particular classes where they they absolutely need to attend to make sure they're staying on track, we can be really flexible in that space. Um, then. There's the the Unisport Nationals, um, which is usually held at the last week of September. Um, this week, this year, it's up in the Gold Coast, so we're just sort of pulling teams together for that at the moment. And that's sort of a, a bit of a different style. That's a week-long multi-sport tournament, which yeah, it's a, again a really great opportunity. Not not many students or not many people get to have that experience of travelling interstate with a team playing sport. That's that's sort of a limited thing that. Obviously, most of the athletes coming through somewhere like West Vic will, would be in that space that they do get the opportunity. But for the general sort of athlete uh, or student coming through to the university, it's not as common that they get that opportunity to, to do an interstate trip to play sport so it's a really great opportunity there other things that we have in terms of like other sports netball there's more local sort of base competitions it's not a national league however we do still go to the unisport nationals um what was back in the day there might be a few listeners that know it as uni games so again opportunities there footy we are the reigning three-time champs in the the men's competition (laughs) claim that Um, so uh, unfortunately the competition hasn't run since 2019 um but we had that was our third win in a row and uh with obviously the pandemic and then numbers just haven't been able to come back for that one unfortunately at this point but fingers crossed we'll we'll get that back up and running and potentially in a different format it might be moved out of that competition um, and sort of held as a standalone event or something like that but we'll uh we'll keep our eyes out on that and and there'll always be some sort of opportunity for footy especially being a, a regional university in sort of a footy heartland in Ballarat and then yeah there's as I said uh, earlier there's some emerging sports so badminton we're looking at sending a team to a tournament in Warrnambool T20 cricket there's a Unisport Australia competition later in the year in Adelaide um, which will hopefully have teams and then cycling I guess is one that's come off the back of the university um, hosting the road nats for or sponsoring the road nats and they're coming through campus uh, in Ballarat the last few years um, we've pushed that a little bit and, and we've got a few uh, talented cyclists that we're, we're trying to make sure we can support them and go through and compete at events like the nationals uh, uni sport nationals yeah awesome I've noticed in my time at West Vic how much the basketball has progressed particularly like from my observations it's really starting to like mimic 
on a small scale, I am aware, <laughs> but like the, the US college system in some ways with the amount of travel that was worked into the season, I think it was really cool. And I know a few of our um, placement students that came through Westwick and are now working at the, at the gym at the Mount Helen campus uh, played on the teams as well as also playing, some were playing um, on for the minors at the same time in Ballarat. But they really enjoyed having a bit of a, an escape and a different team and a different experience and a different coach. It really seemed to add a different element to their sport that they were already obviously doing. So that's been a really cool development. Do you see over time, obviously it depends on the demands from the different sports and the communities and the students, but do you see the other sports potentially progressing to that same level as what the basketball has across the states and territories of Australia? Yeah, I think that's a bit of a long-term plan for, for Unisport Australia is to keep bringing in more um, sports. There's a bit of uh, support needed from the governing bodies, um, whether that's national or, sp- or state, to make sure that it, it works in with volunteers, officials, um, all sort of components. And luckily enough, with you know being universities, the the venue availability is is generally pretty good most universities have some really great facilities so that's sort of our big free kick I guess is that most of us have our own facilities that we have fairly good access to or, or control over some some university sport departments sort of are the ones that run the the facilities as well and so that yeah helps us uh, in that space but I think there'll be a continued push. They've recognised the great engagement that it gives having the longer term season running over multiple weeks, teams home and away on on campus rather than the traditional um, week away where as much as the the students love it, the universities probably don't get as much engagement and and participation back on campus as the, uh, the leagues have the potential to provide. We're seeing some universities really do great in the student experience component of that and, and getting spectators along and having it become almost uh, a mini sort of NBL sort of level engagement with the crowd, which yeah, we, we all want to get to that stage, but we, it depends what sort of budgets you're working with and how many staff you've got to, to pull it off. But yeah, there's potential that might be on a smaller scale depending on the sport. Something like uh, I mentioned tennis earlier, if, if that was to come in, it could be a lot easier to, to pull together because obviously you need less players, less um, of a support structure in terms of score benches and the referees and things like that. So, yeah, there's there's a few that are on the agenda, I know. And then, yeah, I guess in, in terms of that correlation with like the what the um, college system over in the USA is and, yeah, whether we can to replicate some of the best components of that. Talking with the great Scott Talpy, yeah, he has sort of mentioned some of the the good things from their system, but there's also components of it that we would want to avoid. Um, we don't want athletes sort of coming through purely just to play sport and, and not getting the benefits of the education opportunities and making sure that, yeah, we're servicing sort of both both sides. And as you mentioned earlier, that holistic development of the athlete, making sure they're prepared for life after sport. And this gives them that opportunity to participate in basketball. Perfect example, as you mentioned, there's there's players that are involved with the minors and we're, we're really lucky to have a local team that we have such a great relationship with that, you know, there's players that are at that level and then there's also others that have played just local 
you know, high-level domestic, um, or they may have been involved in representative teams as they've come through. You know, it might be Horsham, Warnable, wherever they're from, and they haven't made it to that next level. But this gives them an opportunity to play a really good standard competition, and then they may be able to progress towards getting a, a game with the minors, making you know, it onto their either their senior or, or youth league teams through our programs, and and vice versa. We we would love to have more athletes coming to play for the minors and studying at the university and seeing that as an option through the elite athlete program. Um, so yeah, we we can hopefully. Uh, benefit each other and we see that as a potential relationship across all of our campus locations where we can have really good partnerships and and relationships with the semi-elite teams in in the space and uh, yeah benefit each other. Yeah I think that's an important piece we've been doing a fair bit of work on it in regards to athletes on their pathway and reminding them that you know fun and enjoyment is the key element to your sport. So it's really nice to hear that like Fed Uni is a great example, is really supportive of that pathway. If that differs or there's a few roadblocks or something like that, particularly for basketballers is a great example, that playing for Fed, like coming and studying and then playing for Fed is just a different pathway you can take with the development on on what that's looking like at the moment. And then hopefully in time it's for the other sports. But I think it's a really important piece to for us to continue to tell that it's just another pathway as an athlete and that means that we're still having people participate in their sport well beyond you know their teenage years or time as a junior athlete yeah absolutely and i think a lot of sports see universities as a, a sort of key demographic to unlock a little bit um you know, the, the dropout rates, um, particularly in women's sport, is around that sort of, you know, 16 to, to 21-year-old. And that's a, a core demographic of a lot of universities, obviously, is, you know, 18 to, to 21, 23, around that, depending on how long your degree goes and then when whether you start straight away. So a lot of sports, yeah, are looking at universities as that perfect, yeah, point of contact to get students back into sport if they've had that dropout or hopefully, to continue on and not even drop out at all. But, yeah, there's a, a, a bit of a, a space there to try and grab people that have dropped out of one particular sport and get them into another. University is a great time to, to, as I mentioned earlier, sort of find yourself and yeah. try new things. Um, so, you know, there could be players that have, I, I know, sort of, you know, looking at our elite athlete sort of history, the players like Caitlin Ashmore and Geordie Ivey that came through and, and played footy uh, for the university at uni games back in the day, discovered they were really good at it and, and found that passion and then ended up going through to have professional careers in, in that mm. sport. So something that they first tried while they're at university um, that can yeah, lead on to future opportunities. Yeah, 100%. And I think further to that, going back to the different sports that you can go on to play, I refer to it as uni games, but nationals yep. now. <laughs> um, like I know um, he won't mind us mentioning it, no doubt, but Sam Carr was a great example. Um, he's a footballer, but last year he had a go at triathlon because he was able to then go on and compete for the uni um, at nationals. So I know as well it gives you an opportunity to have a go and have a kind of 
goal to work towards training wise at trying a different sport and I think that's a really cool element to the different sports on offer yeah absolutely and and that's something we encourage there's that you know while we we try and select the the best team possible for those types of representative opportunities there's always the the demand there and ability to to try new sports and if we have enough players enough students to to field a team in a particular sport we we won't say no purely based on on their ability we'll we'll let them have a go and and compete um and yeah it was great that sam and a couple of other students got the the chance to try try a triathlon um <laughs> and uh get up to new the noosa triathlon mm. and, and uh, was it noosa no um, somewhere up there sunshine sunshine, sunshine coast, coast. Yeah, somewhere up there. yeah yeah got up there the the three of them had a go and and you know in those competitions got to compete against some really high level athletes which you know it happens across the board there's opportunities like snow sports where there's quite often winter olympians um that are competing for their university at, at uni nationals and yeah there could be other people that are out there for the you know competing for the first time they may have had a little bit of experience just um recreationally skiing or snowboarding but they get to go out and compete in on the same playing field as someone who's representing australia at the winter olympics it's a pretty cool moment to be able to remember and um they get to obviously watch firsthand i remember being at one snow nationals and i can't remember the name there was a, a moguls skier who was just pulling off some incredible moves and figure out later that yeah he's actually represented australia two or three times and <laughs> It's like, yeah, but I can see that, you know, the, <laughs> the, the quality and, and being able to be there firsthand to see it at, at that level of event was pretty amazing. Awesome. Um, Jumping in, I know a few of our West Vic athletes or our, I guess, target market and junior athletes that are navigating that next step if they're choosing to study after school. Probably want to know a little bit more about the Elite Athlete Program and the support and what that kind of looks like. Um, obviously, we can't speak for other universities. I know a lot offer it, but it would be cool to get a deep dive on what Fed Uni um, do in that space to support athletes that want to continue to study while they're continuing to train and compete at a high level. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you mentioned, most most universities do have um, some form of elite athlete program. The eligibility can vary quite significantly. So being regional and, you know, you talked about pathways earlier, we're very keen to support athletes coming through their, their pathway in their sport and make sure that, you know, as they're striving to get to the next level, that they're also getting that support and academic flexibility, um, which I mentioned. So we accept anyone from a, a state or state league level. Each sort of application is is judged on its merits. Obviously, there's a massive range um, in sport from the things that are competed in heavily and have huge participation numbers down to those that are a little bit more niche. So there has to be a little bit of, I guess, flexibility in our determinations on whether athletes qualify or not. But generally um, speaking, if you're competing at a state or state league level in your given sport, you'll be eligible for ours. So we made that decision just purely based on the fact that, as I mentioned, being regional university, there's tends to be a lot more travel involved and particularly in those pathway levels, not necessarily as much 
support given by the sport itself. So we find that we need to try and encourage athletes, I guess, continue trying to fit both in and and find that balance. Whereas um, if we didn't offer the the flexibility and the support, they might potentially have to choose one or the other. Um, which we don't want to see happen. I guess some of the uh, components of it in terms of the support, we can help negotiate sort of what your study load is and the options um, in consultation always with the the academics, the course coordinators and program coordinators, working through, yeah, whether you can study full-time or part-time, typically sort of two subjects in part-time, but it can be as little as one just to sort of keep ticking along and obviously the the academics can sort of work through and map out making sure that the progression through the the course is not affected by missing certain subjects sometimes that is just the case and it has to happen to be able to tick off some of the online capable courses when away for long periods you might be in a block overseas or something like that and you need to just do purely online for a time then obviously yeah anything that does require face to face to to be able to pass practical components and labs can be delayed. Um, so a really great example of that is Nicole Frain, a cyclist that won the Australian Championship a couple of years ago. We had to sort of alter her course. Uh, she changed into a science-based course rather than food nutrition purely due to the ability to do it online. She's doing great things over in Europe pursuing the dreams. But, yeah, we, we needed to make some adjustments so that uh, she could continue sort of progressing through with the, the components online. Uh, so there's there's different options that we can go through, whether that's, yeah, making a, a change to the type of degree you're studying for certain periods of time, switching in at a later stage, making sure that there's good you know, credits coming across from the different courses that, and subjects you're studying. And yeah, then working through, as I said, with the the academics, the lecturers and course coordinators, map a, a bit of a plan of which subjects you're going to study and um, how much time and, and sort of resources are required for that. Yeah, I think um, one thing I like to make clear to our athletes whenever we're speaking on this kind of space, you don't actually have to be studying sport to get this support either. You don't have to do an exercise sports science degree to just get this um, support. You can be studying any course with the university. And as Jason said, they can work with you on the capacity and what that looks like. Um, But sometimes athletes come back and they're like, oh, so I have to do exercise sports science (laughs) to get help as an athlete because I'm an athlete. It's like, no, you can do whatever you want to do with so long as the university offers it as a course. Like, And obviously uh, some courses are a lot easier to do online or remotely than than others, of course, depending on, as you said, the face-to-face contact required or lab-based work and, and whatnot. And then there's some degrees you can pretty well now do entirely online so yeah i'd just like to make that clear sometimes they're like oh i have to study sport like no you can do whatever you want (laughs) no well well yeah our uh, exercise sports science lecturers are amazing and really encouraging of our elite athletes um yeah that we've got a broad range across pretty much every major sort of subject that we offer, uh, sort of degree that we offer, um, from nursing, physio, education, both normal education as well as PE teaching. Yeah, there's there's a huge range. Um, and then a lot of AFL listed players um, that we have come through study 
business because that is one, as you mentioned, that can be just done entirely online. So there's yeah, some really good contacts um, in, in some of the AFL clubs that promote and encourage the, all the athletes to, as we mentioned earlier, get out and, and do something outside of the sport. And so a lot do choose to just study a, a pure business degree because it's a bit more generic and yeah, generally accessible fully online. Um, yeah. So makes it uh, as flexible as possible for them. They can stay at the club and, and tick it off, um, that sort of thing. So, But, yeah, the, we have athletes across a, a huge range of different degrees, um, so don't necessarily need to study in the sport space. But we encourage it, of course. <laughs> but, yes, obviously uh, it, it works works in well, uh, and we do have quite a, fair, a few that come through obviously sports science and, and we're getting quite a few now with a physio course and, and sport outdoor education PE teaching naturally athletes uh, like to be active and um, yeah. and uh, attracted to those types of courses a lot of the time yeah for sure Is there any info you can give us? I know Fed Uni in some capacity do support athletes with scholarships and grants through this elite athlete space. I know the program's a little bit different, but is there any further info you can tell us on that? Yeah, yep. So yeah, quite quite separate programs, I guess. Um, our scholarships and grants are separately um, run program by a different team within the university, but um, yeah, we've worked quite closely with them to develop a few uh, scholarships that are specifically set aside for elite athletes. So we have our main one, the Elite Athlete Scholarship, which is awarded uh, to one student each year that's commencing at the university. So a first year student, that's worth $7,000 in the first year. Um, So obviously to be eligible, you need to meet the the requirements of being eligible for the elite athlete program as well and then you're assessed through the rest of the scholarships criteria um, through a panel that awards that and then luckily enough we we get some really great support from Pam Suffcliffe in that space um, who runs the programs there and she's managed to get that through so now we have an ongoing support of 4,000 for each continuing year after that for for anyone that is awarded it so I don't have a in front of me now, but I think that off the top of my head, the total is about $21,000 over mm. duration if you do a four-year degree. So quite yep. a significant uh, support, um, yeah, awesome. which can make a huge impact, obviously, for some of the athletes coming through and studying while they're competing in sports that don't have as much financial support available. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, quite a good one. Um, and then just a f- couple of other newer ones. Um, we have the FuelTech Elite Athlete Higher Education Scholarship. That's $2,000 um, and that's awarded to one person uh, each year that's studying in the fields of engineering, sports or health. So, and again, quite broad, as we mentioned, it doesn't have to be specifically just uh, in the sport field. And then another one for from FuelTech, I'm really grateful for their support. There's a, a TAFE based one as well so again yeah don't even have to be studying higher education you can be also studying a TAFE degree and and get the support so being dual sector which something I haven't mentioned yet being a dual sector um, university means we also have a TAFE component and we're um, a part of the the network that is um, supporting TAFE athletes to to try and make sure that they can have that same balance that's always 
been afforded to the higher education university students. Um, we want to make sure that yeah, the students that are choosing to study a, a TAFE degree um, or award are, are still getting that flexibility. And so that one is $1,000 and that's in, in the same field, sort of in that engineering, sports and health field. Um, and then lastly, we last year were able to create a, an elite athlete travel grant so for up to $1,000 for international travel or 500 for domestic um, to assist the student athletes where costs for flights, accommodation, transport and logistical expenses are not covered by their sport um, to try and just assist that um, yeah, burden, I guess, in, in with balancing both sport and study there's often not a whole lot of time left over for part-time work um, yeah. and if they're trying to support themselves to to travel it can be quite expensive obviously um, particularly going internationally and yet yeah, as I mentioned often some of the smaller sports don't have the the funding behind them to be able to support um, that travel and it's sort of a user pay situation so anything we can do to try and uh, reduce that burden uh, and make that easier for them to concentrate on their sport and study is um, it's always nice. Yeah, 100%. That's fantastic to see that the growth, I guess, in this space as well from FedUni, that it's not just the elite athlete program, but there's now scholarships and they continue to, to develop in that space as well to support the athletes, I guess, in a very holistic approach as well as, you know, financially. But um, in balancing the load of study and sport. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Um, and so then I guess part of the other um, component of the Elite Athlete Program I haven't really talked about um, much is just all the other sort of benefits. So obviously we've talked about the academic flexibility that they receive and, and the financial support. We're lucky enough for anyone that's attending the, the Ballarat um, campuses that they get access to the, the gym and pool with complimentary memberships there. Thanks to the, the Health, Sports and Aquatic Centre, they're really big supporters of the program. And then uh, we can assist uh, with any credit transfers that I mentioned before and sort of alternate pathways to help get um, get their course sorted. So um, a good example of that, Ethan Feget, um, who is a basketballer for the minors and, and played in our UBL team. He had six months or, or 12 months over in the US, studied a few units, came back and uh, was able to get a, a lot of credit for the subjects that he completed over there for his business degree that he, he's commenced um, with us here at Fed. So that was um, something that didn't actually need to do too much in, in that instance, but um, the ability for me to, to step in if required and, and help with um, getting that all ticked off um, just to be there as as an assistance. And then they have some access to, to everything that you know, the general students have as well, things like student counselling, careers advice from our careers um, team, their student advisory, um, if there's any issues with their their grades and they need to appeal something so there's all the sort of standard um, supports that are in place um, but we can obviously or I can through my my role as the elite athlete contact help facilitate those meetings and, and appointments that are, are needed and as required yeah work work through that to make sure that they are being looked after on as many fronts as possible um, yeah cool yeah yeah 
So I'm cautious. I don't want to overload our athletes because I know like particularly any of them at this point in time in the year would be starting to look at open days and putting their preferences in ahead of late September, I reckon it is, that preferences have to be in, and then doing exams and playing the waiting game for offers to come out. Um, They probably don't even know that. (laughs) They haven't (laughs) been through it. But um, how would it work? Is it fair to say that if, you know, they're putting Fed Uni as one of their top preferences and all is going to go well for them through their exams and, and getting their study scores in ATAR, and they get an offer from Fed Uni, they kind of need to wait to get their offer and accept before they can start to engage in this space and look at getting some support. Is that right? Um, in, in terms of getting the support, yes, but I would always encourage if they want to get some advice and, and even if they've just put an application in or um, obviously open day, August the 13th at mm-hmm. um, Fed come onto campus, I'll, and have a chat I'll be in Ballarat um, I'd love to speak to anyone but also if there's questions after the day our email sport at federation.edu.au or find us on Instagram the Fed Uni Sport on Instagram and send us a message yeah we'd be more than happy to, to answer any any questions that you might have if you're just thinking of applying for, for Fed we can make sure that sort of we're across the intent um, yep. and yeah I guess a key sort of takeaway for any prospective student elite athletes out there is to really be organised and plan ahead as much as possible. And then going sort of hand in hand with that is is communication. Communicate early and often. Make sure that you're, if anything, over-communicate. <laughs> um, you're Please. better off annoying <laughs> um, with constant emails and phone calls uh, rather than leaving it until it's too late and then trying to get something changed that um, that can't be done. So, yeah, make sure that you communicate it as much as possible. Always happy to, to receive those questions and requests, even if it's prior to actually accepting an offer. Um, yep. If it doesn't eventuate and you don't come through, um, we're always happy to sort of make sure that you're in contact with whoever the elite athlete contact is at the university you do end up going to as well. Um, we're quite a, a good close network across all of the different universities and we work really closely with each other referring people on and, and that sort of thing so more than happy to, to get questions even if you do um, end up going across and, and studying somewhere else but obviously we want you to come to Fed. <laughs> yeah 100%. So further to I guess we we can reach wide and far on this podcast hopefully <laughs> um, but I'm gonna assume majority of our listeners are athletes based in our region of Western Victoria if not in Ballarat or closely surround. So August Sunday August 13th um, is the open day for all of the Fed uni campuses isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yep. So um, as I think I mentioned before, Ballarat, um, Gippsland, which is in Churchill um, and Berwick, uh, are sort of three major campuses. Um, So yeah, we'll we'll have um, staff and um, student groups and sporting um, sort of representatives on on each of the campuses on the day on, on that Sunday. So come and ask us any questions you have. Yeah, and for those uh, close by to Ballarat or particularly the Mount Helen campus, um, even if you're not considering sport or exercise sports science as your study path, still come down, I reckon, and have a look at the um, 
health and sports precinct in the P building because you'll see the gym and the pool and all of the facilities that's actually also open to the public as well um, to use and then of course Jace will be around to answer any questions for you too. Absolutely and and yeah as I mentioned earlier you get um, free access to to those facilities as part of the the elite athlete program so it's um, a good idea to check them out as Sinead said even if you're choosing to study nursing or education or something like that make sure you check them out because you do get to use them and, and get those benefits yeah for sure what I'll do is pop your uh well pop the sport at fed um email address in the um, notes for this episode as well so at least we've got and I'll pop the uh, link to the web page because I know that houses a fair bit of information on the scholarships the grants um, and the program to yep. for Fed Uni as well yeah there's links links through to all the scholarships um, and so they'll once they go live for applications for next year um, so they've all it's all been awarded for this current year 2023 but they'll be live for 2024 fairly soon i would imagine um mm. and um yeah you can start start thinking about that if you're definitely um applying to come and study at fed you can get an application in for a scholarship as well yeah awesome well i think we've covered all bases key takeaways communicate pretty much over communicate yep. please <laughs> absolutely <laughs> we don't need to chase <laughs> organization be yep have your calendar absolutely dialed in and, and make yeah. sure that everyone else is on the same page as you are with that communication. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Le- lecturers love it as well. Uh, the earlier and um, more prepared that you can be and get in contact with them, um, that's that's the best. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's a skill set that you will need as an athlete that's wanting to continue to study as well as train and compete you will need to be quite organized so yeah got to start from the outset <laughs> definitely and, lo- and looping in obviously yeah the, the player development contacts are at in your particular sports i know most sports these days are really great in that space and, and they'll have a designated staff member that'll be in charge of assisting athletes in in that space and making sure that they're across what's going on as well yeah awesome well thank you for your time i think that's all but we'll send any questions that we get through um at a westwick level over to you and again if anybody would like to chat further with jace head down to the open day on sunday the 13th of august or shoot through an email to sport at federation i'll pop that in the comments below sounds great thanks Janae. appreciate it no worries thank you Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Athlete Handbook. This podcast is brought to you by the Westwick Academy of Sport. It was recorded in Ballarat on the land of the Wadawurrung and Jarjarog people. And we would like to recognise their continuing connection to the land and waterways.